What's up, everybody? Welcome to Draft Week on the Jake Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Brainy. Today, on Monday, April 26th, uh, Draft Week, my Super Bowl, my favorite time of the year, the Super Bowl of many bad Browns teams in seasons past, but no more. No more is it like the most important thing on the Browns schedule. It is uh, just a way to get better, to improve their roster. But Still had a lot of fun this draft season. My season four finale, which I posted uh, about a week and a half ago, uh, that came out really great. It was all the you know the positional preview. But today we're going to get into Brown specific needs. And with me today, I brought on two excellent guests. Okay, and uh, both are very well versed in Brown's draft mock draft world. Browns, you know, needs and how they're going to do it. So if you are a fan of the Browns and a fan of mock drafts in general, uh, this is a great episode for you. So uh, without further ado, going to jump right into it with guest number one coming right up. So bear with me and uh, enjoy the pod. All right, joining us on the Jake podcast this week, draft week, uh, we have Stephen Thomas of uh, Browns Daily Mock Draft, if you are a Browns fan, if you are a Mock Draft fan, or just any anything, you've heard of him. So, uh, Stephen, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, and finally, we are at Draft Week. Yes, thank goodness, right? Yeah. I mean, boy, it, it was only one extra week when they announced it, but it feels like about three extra months, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it has felt like an extra added, like, a couple months Uh Mainly because, I don't know, it just seems like there's a lot of extra guys to be looking at this year. We're not at 4, 5, 6. We're at 26. So it's a, it's pretty cool. It's a cool feeling to not have to be like tied to one player and then possibly like ruining our weekend. Yeah, the uh, the variety and the unpredictability. It's a, uh, People are really frustrated with it, and I keep trying to tell them, this is a good thing. This is good. What the problems good teams have, yeah. you know? So, but you're right. It has created for, you know, guys like us that are interested in the draft and mm-hmm. try to prepare and read up on guys and everything. You can't, uh, I mean, even a few years ago, when they, like you said, before we came on the air, when they had multiple first-round picks, you really only had to look at about eight or ten different guys, maybe. Yes. And you were stretching on probably two or three of those. Now, 
I've studied more guys. I've, I've probably studied 75 guys and I still don't think I'm prepared. It's because anything can happen on Thursday. It's crazy. It's wild. And the Browns have built themselves such a nice roster that they don't have to get one position. They don't have to go on either side of the ball, even though like, you know, all season I wanted them. I was like, all right, first rounder, we're just going defense, but that's not even the case. So um, without like, you know, going too crazy, what would you say are like, Andrew Barry's three goals this draft. And that could be either like a position or it could just be like something he wants to get done. Like, uh, you know, just to put it out there because I feel like people are misled this time of year with all the smoke going on. Of course. Yeah. Um, they talk uh, GMs. I mean, I, I love watching, they all have to do these pressers the week before the draft. And Andrew was no, uh, exception. Mm-hmm. I love watching these guys talk for an hour and say absolutely nothing. Yes, it's a, it's yeah. an art form that I just, I marvel at it. It really is a skill. They have to practice. I mean, it, it was interesting that he, he gave us, <clears throat> excuse me, how many players they had with draftable grades. That helps yeah. um, in certain ways. But as far as goals, I, I think it sounds like GM speak, but I think in reality he wasn't lying, especially at 26 and with the roster that they, they currently have, he really just wants to add as many good players as possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, that sounds overly simplified, but really, I mean, yes, I, I think they almost have to get at least one corner in the top 100 just right. because, I mean, the coverage unit is exceptionally thin and we don't, as hard as guys like Robert Jackson played and I appreciate their effort last year, there's a reason those guys are your core special teamers and not your, the guys you want starting against chase Claypool in the playoffs. Yes, you know yeah. I mean? There's a reason for that. So, I mean, but the Gilmore stuff won't go away. So maybe they're going to address it that way. Uh, it's, it's interesting. Um, so I don't know if he has three like specific things that he set out to do, but I would say add the most talent at the best price. Um, he's always a guy that's going to try to take advantage of market, inefficiencies yeah. uh, and this year with as bizarre as it is and di- you know every team having different amounts of access and gaps in information and we just learned today that half of the teams still don't know medicals on guys and yeah because of you know everything that's going on there could be more opportunities this year to exploit those market inefficiencies than in a normal year and he's a sharp enough guy uh, he's one of the sharpest guys I'll ever be in the room with yeah. if I ever am. Um, yeah. And but I think the second goal is don't bankrupt the future uh, draft capital. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I put out some stuff yesterday because people have been asking, uh, you know, will they trade way up? Is there a possibility? Well, yeah, they might, but you better get a freaking dude if you're going to give up next year's one or next year's two. I mean, this is a guy that you think is a franchise changer to give up that much, and I don't know that anybody in this class will be at a range where that makes even a remote amount of sense they might move up a little but i as far as a monster move i don't see it because then you're wrecking next year's draft capital i think more likely from somewhere you're going to see a move down and out so that they pick up an extra third an extra fourth an extra fifth i would agree you always want those arrows in the quill Mm -hmm. um uh and uh, I think, but I, I think the biggest, you hit it on the head in the beginning. I think the biggest thing that he definitely has to do is upgrade the defense um, because they're close. I, they're they're for the first time. It's not just us blowing smoke at each other in the off season with hopes and dreams. They're mm-hmm. really legitimately a Super Bowl contender. And if they can get the right, 
two or three guys, you know, at the right spots. It could be a lot of fun this fall for the first time in a long time. Yeah, fortunately, you know, Barry's a smart guy. We 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 our team is in the hands of someone who knows what mm-hmm. he's doing, and he knows that there are uh, less than seven hundred players draft um, that have signed with an agent. That's a small number compared to the last few years. So you know, he he knows that he said the thing about there being kind of like a small number of draftable <laughs> players. That makes me think, okay, you know what, he might take one of those fours or one of those threes and trade it for a future pick next year and mm-hmm. just say, I always want to keep the war chest heavy. I always want to have that so that if we need to go get a guy one year or if we need to really splurge, we have the assets to do that. And they don't really need to splurge right now. They don't have nine open roster spots. So, you know, I mean, yes, they could always, it's a lot of fun to do mocks where they have 11, 12 draft picks, but sure. that's, that's probably not going to happen just because, it, it's just probably not going to happen. So Yeah. Um, and I think another thing to keep in mind, too, with the future draft picks is, and this is, uh, I call it thinking in chords. You, gotta, you can't just take each step individually. The roster doesn't lock come Saturday night. It's yeah. not like this is the last step. This is just the next step. There's going to be moves, trades, signings made after the draft. Then you've got the final week of the preseason where there's always a few trades and waiver wires and that. And, and here's the exciting part for the first time, the trade deadline this year might be a time where that big all-in move makes sense. I mean, in years past, people have always said, oh, they should trade next year's one or two for so-and-so and so-and-so. I'm like, yeah, that guy's really good, and he could take us from six and six to maybe sneaking into the playoffs, but I'm not giving up a one unless mm-hmm. it's a guy I think is going to help me hoist a Lombardi. Now, yeah. this year, come week you know, nine or whatever it is, I don't know for sure, you look at it on paper, if they're – you know, let's say it's the coverage unit. Let's say everything else is great. They handle everything, but they're, they're one corner short. And I don't know, insert name of guy is rumored to be available this year. It might make sense to give up that next year's two or something yeah. like that and grab a guy like that for the first time in decades that we're in that position. So getting those future draft picks and the point I was trying to make is if you have that extra third from a trade down this weekend, you can do it without crippling next year's draft class. That's why, like you said, you always want those arrows in the quill. Yep, absolutely. Um, it's wild. I don't even know what a trade deadline deal even looks like as a Browns fan. I'm like, I'm like, okay. The only trade deadline deals I know are the ones that didn't happen with teams in the same right. state. So, um, so I do want to talk about like scheme for just a second, and not like you know on field scheme, but more as like Barry's scheme, right? Because you know a lot of people think linebacker is a huge need, and I think wide receiver is a bigger need. Can we like just like talk about that for just a quick second about how like sure. what like what do you see that as like linebacker some people want them to go up and get Micah Parsons uh, or Zaven Collins um, and then other people are saying you know it's crazy to want a first round wide receiver with who they have can we answer that real quick well I don't know about real quick yeah <laughs> yes yeah. yeah just I, I meant next yeah yeah so let's do <laughs> and, um, it uh, like everything else in this Every draft question, the answer begins the same way the answer to every poker question does. Well, it depends. Mm-hmm. That's how every draft question, the answer starts. Um, and, and, and I guess it depends on what you consider quote unquote need. Uh, could they use a guy, you know, a, a, a do it all, you know, 
know, Mike linebacker. Sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Who wouldn't? Um, but is that something they're going to want to prioritize with day one draft capital over a corner or an edge or, you know, what they consider to be more uh, impactful positions and wide receiver is the same too. So I guess, which is a bigger need? I guess it depends on your definition of the word need. I think the thing to remember is like we've been saying, we've got the right people in place, whatever the best plus value move is, uh, on Thursday night, that's what they'll do. And there is, and I, I've been saying this for months and people don't want to hear this because I never put any linebackers in the first round in my mock drafts. They think I hate all those guys. I don't, I, I, I brought up Zayvon Collins in like October. I put him in the third round of a mock draft and I got yelled at for quote unquote reaching, you know, and now those same people are yelling at me that I don't want to give up three firsts to move up and pick him on day one. So it's, it's not that I don't think that linebacker might be on the table. I just think it's highly unlikely on day one that they would do that unless you count uh, Koromoa as a linebacker, which I don't, he's, he's the safety hybrid uh, rover type okay. that's more in line with what they want for the second level of their defense because right now you look at it i think people are sleeping on jacob phillips personally oh, i think that cool. was a tremendous pick last year um he was hurt most of last year um so he was and a rookie and the whole you know virtual off season uh, all that stuff um so i think he's going to be fine they brought back malcolm smith for a reason because he was their highest graded linebacker and yeah he's not a you know, uh, a Luke Keekley or anything, but boy, does he do his job. He's a smart dude. He's in the right place all the time. He does what he's supposed to do. And that's great. Now, on top of that, you've got tack and they spent money on Anthony Walker. Now they didn't spend giant money on Anthony Walker, but that's four linebackers right there. And we haven't even counted uh, uh, Mac Wilson into this yet. At most, they're going to be playing two on the field at any given time. And from what everything that we've learned, and Joe Woods Presser last week just just re- reiterated this, he he wants one if possible. Yeah. He wants as much dime mm-hmm. as possible. So you put it all together. There is there are scenarios where all the corners are gone, all the edges are gone, JOK is gone, their wide receivers are gone, and no one is on the phone with a good trade offer. Where yeah, Zayn Collins, you know, might be the guy at that point. And and Zayn Collins is a good football player. I'm not saying that he's not. I'm just saying the math works out that one of those corners, edges, wide receivers, some somebody's gonna be there. I mean, it just yeah. it's a very small chance. Now, as far as what you said about wide receiver being a need, it's it's kind of like interior offensive line and interior defensive line. All three of those position groups are sort of in the same category in that this year they're they're set really i mean mm-hmm. we know who the guys in their in the wide receiver room the interior offensive line and the interior defensive line is gonna, are going to be but after this year there are a lot of contracts that are up and they simply can't bring everybody back so if they're in position in day one or day two you know, but, uh, you know, people want to talk about Rashad Bateman and Elijah Moore and Terrace Marshall Jr. and all those guys. And they've in a vacuum, they're totally worth a 26 pick. Absolutely. 100%. I think if they have their choice, they would rather have one of their corners fall to them or one of their edges fall to them. But if all those guys are gone and, you know, Rashad Bateman is sitting there and nobody's blowing them away on the phone, I, I, how, you can't be mad at yeah. adding that guy right there because, he's a freaking stud. And, you know, I mean, after this next year, there's no dead money left for 80 or 13. 
it's it seems like at least one of them is going to be gone. And on top of everything that I just said, this is a front office that likes to get out ahead of problems before their immediate problems. Right. So and they could not take a wide receiver in the entire draft, you know, or they could take one on day one or anything in between. So, uh, but yeah, I, I, which is a bigger need. I think, I, I guess that depends on what your definition of need is. I would say wide receiver, mm-hmm. um, but there certainly is a pathway to where a linebacker at 26 is the best move at the moment. And if that is what the case, Andrew Barry will do it. I have no doubt. Yeah. It just kind of reiterates what we were saying before that, like there are just so many avenues that we could see for this draft just mm-hmm. at 26 alone. And then that'll dictate the second round and the third round. And, or maybe it doesn't, maybe Andrew says, Hey, we took an, a cornerback at 26 and we're taking one at 59 because they're both just that good. Like th- there's yeah. nothing off the table right now. And I feel like even though we're talking about a lot of players, I, I still feel like we might not be talking about the guy that the Browns are drafting. Like there might be a guy out there. It, it, is there a guy out there that we should be talking about more? <laughs> Who haven't we talked about? For yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, gosh, if you've, I, I, you know, I don't live in Cleveland, so I, I don't know the local radio or anything like that. The guys they're talking about, but Brown's Twitter, I think we've talked to death, everybody, yeah. you know, I, I, and it's, it's crazy. But I, I guess as far as at 26, maybe some guys that are generally thought of as more 59 type guys that, you know, uh, we don't know, they could sneak mm-hmm. in there. I would say Asante Samuel Jr. Yeah. is one of those. He fits a lot of what they look for. If he was an inch taller, this wouldn't even be a discussion. He right. would be 100% on the, on the radar. Um, Terrace Marshall, uh, I think, uh, is more of a chance than some are saying. I don't think it's a good chance, but it wouldn't shock me. And I'm, I know I'm a bigger Terrace Marshall fan than a lot of other people. And then um, as far as edge guys goes, I would say, I'm getting the idea that under a certain set of circumstances, one of Peyton Turner or Joe Treon is not as outlandish at 26 as we have believed for a while. Interesting. Okay. Um, I have always thought Turner was sort of both of them actually, but Turner especially was sort of a a tweener. Like he 26, it might be too high, but I can't see a way he actually lasts to 59. So Mm -hmm. there would have to be a move in one way or another. I, Maybe I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, and, and this isn't a prediction. I'm not, you know, trying to say, you know, I've got information that they're going to, you know, make a shocking move. I'm just saying that might, might be under certain circumstances. If a lot of guys are gone, it wouldn't shock me. And they're both, you know, those, those guys are all really good players. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think you did a mock, I don't know, a while back with Jake Burns on one of the, on one of your podcasts and uh, you guys grabbed Turner and McNeil at eighty nine ninety one, and that's that seems like a pipe dream now because those guys I feel like are just getting more talk as we've gotten into the process. But you know, just two, those are two guys I like. I think they're two guys you like as well. Um, right. So all right, I'm gonna do. I I I thought about this the other day, and I was like, ooh, this would be a lot of fun. You've done I don't know th- 400, 500 mock drafts on this draft, and you've probably taken each one of these guys maybe five or six times. So I'm going to do a little rapid fire game and I just okay. want your, your first impression and you can just say as little as you want or as much as you want about each one. And I'm just going to say the guy's name and you're going to say, take them, pass, 
or he won't be there, which I think is a great nod to your fans on the he'll never be there, you know, Twitter. Uh, no way in hell guy. Uh, yes. No way in hell guy, yes. Okay. <laughs> so, so got a couple names. I'm just going to rattle them off. If you would take them, if you would pass on them, or if he won't even be there. No way in hell. Are these all, all at 26, or is it different? Picks? 26. No trading down. Okay. Unless you feel very strongly <laughs> about uh, about it, you can. I'll, I'll, allow a, I'll allow a green card for that. So. Okay. <laughs> okay. Rashad Bateman. Definitely take him. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Phillips. Ooh. <laughs> if the medical's clear, definitely. But okay. that's something we don't, you know, obviously we have no idea. Right. Uh, Christian Barmore. Pass. Jeremiah Awusu-Kormoa. Take him. Yeah. Uh, Caleb Farley. Take him. Terrace Marshall Jr. He's worth the pick, but probably pass. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Quiddy Pay. Uh, take him. Oh, okay. I haven't been integrating. Won't be there into this. I've just been doing sort of a binary. Do you think? Do you think Pay won't decision. be there? Um. Yeah. Actually, uh, I think if we go back, I don't think JOK will be there. Mm-hmm. Um. I, I don't think Pay will be there, and I don't think Bateman will be there either. What about Farley? Do you think he'll be there? Boy, that's another tough one. Farley and Phillips are the two complete and total wild cards because they the really are. Yeah, they could you know? be they could be on our radar, or I wouldn't be surprised if they're there in the fifties, just because this happens every year. A guy like Mo Hurst drops, or you know, it could be this year like Farley, where it's just like, oh, the medical it didn't work out, and he's there for waiting for a while. Yeah, I will say this, and you know, I don't know people on the inside uh, of the league or the teams, but I know people who know people if that makes sense. And sometimes they, you know, let me know things that they're hearing. The general consensus that I've been hearing is that the doctors are far more positive on Farley's medicals than they are on Phillips medicals. And that's not a negative on Phillips. What there's the the thing with Phillips is because it's concussions and not, you know, a a joint or a, a ligament or something like that. There's just no way to tell. I mean, he could, he could play mm-hmm. 10 years in a brutal game, get hit in the head 5,000 times and be completely fine. Yeah. He could get grazed in the helmet his third day of camp and never walk on the field again or anything in between. So yeah. that's what I mean by that. But it, There's it appears, less to know. Yeah. It appears that Farley is getting a, more of a green flag, a go-ahead uh, at this point than, than Phillips. So. Okay. A uh, couple more names. Uh Asante Samuel Jr. I would take him at 26, but I think they'll probably want to move down a little bit to get him. Yeah. Zabin Collins. Pass. Aziz Ojolari. Take him, and I don't think he'll be there. Oh, okay. Uh, J.C. Horn. Won't be there. Won't be there. Uh, Micah Parsons. Won't be there, Yeah, and I would pass. Yeah, okay. And uh, Kadarius Toney. Oh, pass. Yeah, I like him much better day two. All right, but- I'm not as high on him. If for that second group of wide receivers after Waddle, Chase, you know, uh, Devontae Smith, um, he's probably at the bottom of the group for me. And not that he's bad. I just, I like both the Moores better than him. I like Terrace Marshall better than him. Yeah, you know? I'm, a bi- I'm a big fan of Elijah Moore this year. And, mm-hmm. and like, I just... I don't know, with his like footwork, I'm like, I think that's just very appealing at the next level. Oh, so I, I think would be perfect yeah, for this offense. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Um 
And then that, and then if we're talking day two guys, I really like Deami Brown. We 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 can't oh, yeah. we don't have all the time to go into all the wide receivers, but that's another guy that I'm like that would just blow the roof off the top, and I like it. So, um, all right, so yeah, I mean now I'm going into my guys, but before you go, I just want you to to say like. Who are your guys? Who are the guys that, like, if you were in the room with Barry and Co. and had the chance to say, hey, this guy's still available. I love him, and he's going to be great in the league. You can count on it. Like, you put your name on the line for him. Mm, mm, boy. Um, well, let's see. I, I did a few for day one and day two here. Okay. Um, well, let, let me say this. I, I'll, I'll give you two for um, – uh, 26. There's a, there's a lot of guys I like at 26. Yeah. But two that I think I would, if the medicals are clear, I would I would pound the table for Farley. I yeah. would do that. Okay. And also, and I know I'm relatively alone on this in Brown's world, um, but I have been an Aziz Ojolari fan since the oh, jump. Cool. I think he's a stud in the making. He's only 20 years old. He's going to easily just through natural growth. Uh, put on another, you know, five to 10 pounds. And he's got one of the most advanced pass rusher rays of anybody in he's, he's the highest graded pass rusher in the entire draft. I think Ojolari is a slam dunk, uh, a pick personally. So, which means he's just about guaranteed to end up with the Ravens. So, yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say guarantee all my favorite guys go to them every year and it drives me bananas. Um, as far as 59, Elijah Moore, like you said, uh, mm-hmm. I've seen a few places that have him falling that far. I'm dubious on that. But if he gets to 50-ish, you got to start thinking about picking up the phone at that point. Yeah. Uh, if he gets beyond 45, really, if he gets past the Jags at 45, I think you got to be looking to make a move. Um, and, uh, and, and I think moving up from 59 is one of the, uh, take a little tangent here, is one of the possibilities. Okay. Uh, like you said earlier, take those day three picks and package them. Uh, for stuff, I think if they if they find the right deal, moving up from fifty nine and then moving up from the eighty nine ninety one combo are very much on the table. I mean, you think about it; they got one hundred and fourteen total guys draftable. That's all seven rounds. So you got to figure what fifty ish of them are top one hundred guys, yeah. maybe, mm-hmm. and the rest of them have you know day three grades, but draftable. So what are the odds those guys are going to be around at eighty nine ninety one? You know, so you're not going to get value at that pick. So the, for this front office, I think it makes a lot of sense. Now it takes two to tango. Will the other side agree to the deal? That's a whole separate thing. But I think that's more likely for any kind of moving up 59 and, and 89, 91 rather than 26. Um, uh, same thing, like you said, uh, with 59, uh, Peyton Turner. Uh, I don't oh, think yeah. there's any chance he gets there. But if he's if he's around at 59 and they did not address edge earlier, turn the phone on airplane mode and run to the podium, yeah. you know? Um, and then as far as eighty nine ninety one, it's really, it's so hard, to, especially this year, because yeah. it feels like once you get beyond about 45 ish, the rankings from 50 to 125 are so fluid. Like one really smart mock guy, you know, draft guy has a guy at 55 and, then Daniel Jeremiah has that exact same guy at 88. So, I mean, you respect them both. I, it's, it's crazy. But if I, I, I'm looking at the corners or maybe the hybrids at 89.91, could look at linebacker there. Cameron McGrone is very interesting, uh, starting at about 89.91 and through 110, I think would be interesting right there. But if Paulson Adebo 
Ooh, yeah. or um, Hamza Nasruddin or Divine Diablo from Virginia Tech yes. are around at 89.91. I don't know if I go so far as pounding the table. I don't know if you pound the table for a guy on late day two, right. but I would be pretty freaking excited if cool. I was in the room and those guys were around. Yeah. You know what? I got to like always remind myself every time I'm thinking like, oh, he won't be there or like, oh, no, that's way out of his range. Damon Arnett went round one and yeah. no one had that happening. And, you know, maybe that's a Raider thing. Um, it, it very well could be, <laughs> but it only takes one team to make a guy first round pick. So, you know, it's I, I, I mean, I that's why I think the draft is so fun. And this year, especially because I could really see it being completely chaotic we mm-hmm. having no idea what's going on, and all of a sudden, you know, 15 first-rounders available on day two because everybody's a first-rounder these days. But Yeah, I'm with you. I totally, because of, you know, everything in the past year, we out here especially, the teams have more information than we do, but even they don't have all the information. So I expect way more variance between the media boards that we're all familiar with yeah. and what actually happens than normal. I think there's going to be multiple times during the first two days where all of us watching are going to go, Whoa, you know, that's 50 yes. spots higher or lower than we thought for such and such a guy. I, yep. I'll be surprised if it doesn't happen because it's just such a bizarre year. Bizarre. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. But uh, you know, listen, uh, this was great. I'm, it's my favorite time of the year, obviously to be doing this stuff. So I really appreciate you uh, spending the time for this. Um, and, and listen, have all the fun in the world this draft week. Thank you for coming on. Steven Thomas, tell my fans, all eight of them, uh, where they can find you uh, on social media, on podcasts, wherever. Uh, well, that's four more than I have. Um, you, <laughs> nice. <laughs> you, you know, pretty much everything I do anymore is on the OBR. They were kind enough to bring me on board uh, for this past season, and it's been a blast. Nice. Uh, I hope they like what I've been doing. So, you know, the OBR.com, usually you can find anything that I've written, all the mocks, all that kind of stuff. Uh, player profile pages I put together on, I think, 100 different guys uh, with video and and articles and, and just interviews and all kinds of stuff. Uh, but the easiest place to find me, I have no life. You can almost f- always find me on Twitter at Brown's mock draft. So um, especially this weekend, uh, we're doing a live broadcast for uh, night one and night two over at the OBR. So Excellent. I'll be around pretty much all weekend. Um, yeah, it was a blast. I, I you know, I, I love interacting on Twitter with you and, and it was great to finally be able to come on and, uh, and have a chat here. Thanks for uh, thanks for inviting me. Appreciate it. Long time coming. And uh, we will be talking this week for sure. Absolutely. Go Browns. All right. Go Browns. All right. Many thanks to Stephen Thomas, who was able to join us. Uh, very busy this time of year, but he was a great guest. Uh, big fan of his, uh, of his you know, social media, his presence online. I know he likes to joke and kind of poke fun at himself, but he is a... Um, very big time, you know, Brown's social media guy. So it was great having mom. But uh, we got another great guest this episode. Uh, someone who's been on the Jake a bunch of times. I think this is his fifth, uh, fifth appearance. He was here the day we traded for OBJ. He was here right before we drafted Baker. So uh, uh, Jake Burns of also the OBR uh, brings a lot to the table. And... Uh, and hey, you know what? He's been kind of like a good luck charm for Brown's uh, draft stuff or Brown's offseason moves, so what have you. So having him on the week of the draft, uh, pretty awesome. So uh, check it out. Jake Burns joins us next on The Jake.
All right, we are back on the Jake podcast with uh, one of our longtime guests. He was on from season one of the Jake podcast. He was here when we drafted Baker, when we traded for Odell. So he's very good luck this time of the year. Uh, so I'm very happy to have another Jake, Jake Burns, film analyst at the OBR. Uh, Jake, thanks for coming on the pod. This is a, this is a good luck charm. So I'm really pumped about this. <laughs> My pleasure, man. Hopefully it works out as well for us this time as it did uh, in 2018. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, everyone was, you were a big Baker advocate. I didn't think they would have the balls to pull it off. So uh, it's really worked out for everyone uh, that they went for it. Um, so, okay. So this year, I feel like there have been so many debates. There are a lot of directions we can go in. And it's crazy because we're not drafting at one or five, six, seven. We're drafting a 26. A lot of different things can come into play. Uh, one of the things is linebacker. So many people want linebacker. Uh, some people think, you know, oh, okay, if it's Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa or no one else, some people think, you know, we just need a linebacker. Some people think a safety. Where are we in terms of that, like, middle of the defense? Is it an actual need? Can you, like, settle that for this team? Sure. It's, it's, um, I, I put it this way. I think when people from an outsider's perspective, and I mean people that cover the team from a national perspective, those who try to cover league wide, it is, uh, we know, we know Miles. Uh, we know they added Genevieve Clowney and Tack McKinley, and we know John Johnson's a great secondary addition, and we know about Denzel Ward, but you don't, you don't necessarily know about any of the linebackers. And just because you don't know about them doesn't necessarily mean that the Browns' plans mean they should go get one. Um, I think they definitely like Anthony Walker from an, uh, a, a perspective of leadership, a perspective of preparedness, a perspective of a guy who can play early down run defense effectively. And they definitely are high on Jacob Phillips, the guy who can be the will to pair with the Mike that is Anthony Walker. And then a guy like Malcolm Smith that they brought back uh, is a veteran presence and can be a guy who arrives on the field in obvious passing situations, whether that's the Browns are leading by a couple touchdowns or just a genuine third down in neutral situations where maybe you don't want Anthony Walker on the football field on a third and 14. The Colts didn't use him in third downs a whole bunch. So they, they feel like between those three, and then you add in Sione Takitaki, who took some general s- steps in the right direction as a Sam linebacker, your third linebacker against base sets, and took some decent strides in pass coverage to be a rotational player when needed uh, come Pittsburgh by the end of the year. He played more snaps in the Week 17 and then in the divisional game and then in the, um, sorry, the wild card game and then into the divisional game. So they like that. Mac Wilson is a fringe NFL player. He just has been since he arrived. I think he's an okay depth player with special teams upside. Uh, so to me, I see a position that doesn't require upgrading and a position that doesn't necessarily need to have a bunch of, you know, high end pick players or high, high salary cap figures. Does that mean Jake that they can't go get one? Absolutely not. If they feel like uh, JOK is a guy who at 26 falls in their lap and they're like, okay, even though, you know, I've made this pretty opinionated thing with him that he's not a linebacker to me. He's a rover. He's a hybrid. He's a safety. He's a nickel safety who can play in the box when you need him to. And he's he's what modern football likes because he's a, he's a Swiss Army knife by nature. So he can do a bunch of different things. And he's proven to do them at the college level effectively. He can play run alleys. He can play curl flat. He can play hook. He can play man-to-man on bigger slot players, tight ends. He has a better proven portfolio than Isaiah Simmons when Isaiah Simmons came into the league last year as a top 10 pick with the Cardinals, but he is not as big and he did not test as fast 
as Isaiah Simmons. And that's where a lot of people were drawn to Isaiah Simmons as they saw this freak of nature size speed combination. Well, JOK is just kind of a smaller version of that, in my opinion. He plays so fast. And when you watch him, you watch him and say, well, this might not be a player that any one team needs uh, because need is a strong word in the NFL. Uh, but it'd be a player a lot of teams would like to have. So if they're sitting at 26 and they have a high grade on him and they like the person, they like the character, they like they like the market share production, they could take him. Uh, guys like Zayvon Collins, Jamin Davis, uh, I, I don't know that they will go those directions, but those are good football players if they do. Uh, Jake, I would just kind of say they don't need a linebacker, but if they feel like when pick 26 is up or if they trade down and decide come the second round, early second round, that they like a player there, they could take one. I just don't think they will. Not that I don't have a conversation on, you know, Friday night about they took a linebacker in their second round pick. They could do it. They could certainly do it. I just don't think they will. But I don't think as we sit here, I don't think they need it. Now, safety is another interesting question because – you know, they go out and sign John Johnson, who I love, and I have crazy high expectations for and think he's going to be great. But people are like, well, they got all these safeties now. Well, they kind of don't because Grant Delpit's dealing with one of the toughest mental and physical injuries to come back from any sport with an Achilles tear. You know, if you remember on Cleveland Browns Daily, they're showing all the training camp videos, and he just went up and caught a pass an individual drill and just landed. Like, it was the most innocuous thing that just – happened and it was really strange it just popped on him and it's like okay he probably hasn't been out on a football field since he definitely hasn't been in Berea so it's going to be revisiting the site of an injury that is really gruesome in terms of what it takes to recover from he looks like he's on the right path but you, you don't know they they've said he hasn't really done live hard hard cutting yet so you got to see where he's at in a couple months I would imagine Jake that they bring him back in a similar fashion to what they did when they traded for Ronnie Harrison last year, which is Ronnie Harrison. Everyone's like, ah, they got this guy, Ronnie Harrison. He's going to play. They eased him in and he really didn't become a factor till like week seven. They mm-hmm. kind of got yeah. him into the scheme, got him into his role. Didn't want to overwhelm him. I think they do a lot of that with Grant. So then it's like, okay, they have two safeties now. And Ronnie Harrison brings a lot of flexibility. And then Sheldrick Redwine is a fringe NFL player, could be a borderline cut guy this year. So they need to be proactive in the safety market still because Ronnie, don't forget Ronnie Harrison's on the last year of his rookie deal. They may not be able to find a price that fits there. Mm -hmm. They could. He likes it in Cleveland. They're winning. They need the position, but they might not see the fit there. So it is a position while in theory, it's like, okay, they have three guys. How are they going to play a fourth or fifth guy? Well, as we know, as well as anybody with the injuries that happened in the secondary and the injuries that they are bringing themselves back from, they need depth, and they they could they could use guys that could play there. So I don't think they're settled on safety more than anything else. I think linebacker they actually bring back a lot of what they want to bring back in a relatively okay picture. But safety, we're going to talk corner. I'm sure are definitely positions where they got to keep adding pieces. Yeah, you know, and from what we've seen from Andrew Barry is that he thinks he can like solve the linebacker position through free agency with you know probably lower price tags and. Another thing that we got to remember is that Andrew Barry knows that that fifth year option on first round draft picks, that's one of the most valuable pieces when negotiating contracts and when acquiring players. So you got to really, you know, be careful who you use those first round picks on because you're not going to get a lot of first round picks. You want it to be Baker Mayfield. You want it to be Jedrick Wills, guys like at those very important positions where that fifth year really comes into play. So I think that's something that not a lot of people are talking about. Um, I'm glad you brought up Jacob Phillips. I was talking to Stephen Thomas uh, of Brown's Daily Mock, 
And he brought up that, you know, Jacob Phillips, who's third round pick last year. This is a guy that they obviously thought high enough that it was in Barry's inaugural drafts. And yeah, I want this linebacker here over some guys that gave, you know, that played a lot for the Browns last year. So uh, they obviously think pretty highly of him. Um, And then, yeah, with JOK, I don't even think he's going to be available at 26. So we'll see. uh, And we'll get to that in a little bit. But um, I do like that you brought up like, you know, Barry likes to jump out in front of these problems before they become a problem. You know, with Ronnie Harrison, you might need to be drafting his replacement because he might not be back after next year. And that's something we might see with wide receiver this year. Um, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, they aren't going into their last years, but after this season, they won't have any, you know, big contract numbers tied to them. So we could see them be gone. One of them, both of them. Is there a wide receiver you like that would maybe take the mantle from one of them or either of them? Or maybe could just help out right now because, you know, something that this team could use is a wide receiver that's getting over the top and opening up the, you know, underneath game for running backs and tight ends. Yeah, there are a lot of them. It is a really deep wide receiver class. And I I don't know, man. I, I There's been a lot of deep receiver classes lately, and I'm sure next year will be b- b- full of guys as well. So That's college football you just now. See, you, you really do, and it's really high school football because yeah, yeah. these guys come into college like Garrett Wilson types who are just ready to hit the ground running. Marvin yeah. Wilson's another Ohio State guy, hits the ground running. Or Sorry, Marvin Harrison Jr. They, they, they're just like everywhere. And – it's, 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 you have to pick the flavor of what you want. You know, Odell is Odell because he can do like wide receiver skill and how they fit in an offense is oftentimes so esoteric in nature. So it's like when you find a guy who can win a variety of ways like Odell, that's why you're like, okay, that's why he's a first round pick. That's why he's a top half of the first round pick and why they, a team eventually trades a first round pick to acquire him. So, do I think at pick 26 they can recreate that Odell? Probably not, but I do think that there are ways to recreate the Odell we've seen in Cleveland. I think Cleveland thought they were going to get a version of what they got from New York, and it hasn't translated that way. You know, there are guys who will be end of the first round available more than likely. I could see maybe somebody like Tennessee, or if the Colts have a ridiculously high grade on somebody like Rashad Bateman, a Minnesota kid. It feels very likely that the first three will be Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, and Devontae Smith with Waddle and Smith in a pick your flavor, whoever goes first kind of thing. Now, there is a world in which I can see Devontae Smith sliding. I just do. The data of his height weight are not great, and he didn't test at all, and he's relying a lot on his film, which is elite film. Don't get me wrong. And His market share production is elite market share production, and he, he brings a lot with it, but if teams are becoming so data-driven, which a lot of teams are, like we talk about Cleveland like they're a unicorn. There's a lot of teams that are data-driven in this process. He could slide. So I'm not saying it's not possible, but likely those three are gone. Then you get into like the Bateman territory, who I'm more than fine with, six foot, 190, a very good athlete, not a lead athlete, but good enough, good separation skills, has a lot of route nuance, wiggle, a little bit of a catch issue, but I don't view it as that serious of a catch issue because he separates so often. I like that. Elijah Moore, slot outside hybrid guy, yeah. can do a little bit of both, very fast in the high four threes. 
has a, a fantastic portfolio. If you looked at a tweet I retweeted yesterday from Matt Harmon, who does fantastic wide receiver study for Brandon Thorne, who does elite study of offensive line and defensive line play, especially uh, evaluating quality sacks from low quality sacks. That's what Matt Harmon's doing for wide receivers. He's studying them in the nature that every single play has a route. If it's a passing play, it has a route. If you don't get the ball, you still are open or you're not open or you win the route or you don't win the route. He does a lot of that study. And his documentation of how Elijah Moore separated is some of the best in this class. And, you know, he gets forgotten a little bit having played at Ole Miss last year and struggled with some of the ways that Ole Miss uh, quarterback play suffered. But, you know, Lane Kiffin used him in, in a variety of ways. And I think it's a similar thing that Cleveland could do from an inside-outside perspective, and he would be very good in this offense. So those two are my high-end replacements. There is, if they're if they're interested in that, in that pick-your-poison uh, elite burst type of player Kadarius Tony is interesting I don't think they'll go for these types at the end of the first but they could if they end up moving back say they move back to pick 35 pick up another third yeah. and a fifth or something by moving back he becomes interesting uh Rondale Moore spark plug Tyreek Hill very similar to him uh from Purdue is an interesting mid-30s to 40s player uh elite elite burst speed uh, you remember him ripping Ohio State apart a couple years ago when he was a freshman. And um, I will say, too, another guy that is kind of in that in that mold in the second round is Diami Brown, the kid from North Carolina, who's a bit more of a uh, – he's a bit like Bateman. I think he's just a little, a little lesser version of Bateman, a little less athletic, uh, a little less – route nuance, complete understanding of how to get open in, in, in tight phone booth situations, but still a very nice developmental wide receiver who could be uh, in, in his second year a nice player too. But there are others, you know, there's Tylen Wallace, the Oklahoma State kid I like a lot a little later. There is uh, Nico Collins, who just like Don, I think he's a better version of Donovan Peoples-Jones, just as good an athlete, better version of him, better at the catch point. And, and uh, he could be a third, fourth round guy tested so well. And we all know how the quarterback play was at Michigan these last few years. And he's a guy that could be there that they could be interested in uh, because they're just so driven by test scores and, and, and they're driven by film, but they're looking at mitigating risk through what these guys are athletically. It's very important to them. And then a guy late, we've all talked about him, Anthony Schwartz, the kid from uh, the kid from yeah. Auburn, who's a four, two, five, 40 guy who can flat burn. He does not, understand enough about route tree stuff to be a complete receiver by any regard. But if you say, Hey man, run 15 deep routes, you know, some takeoffs, a couple posts, a couple corners, a couple, couple uh, middle divides, he can do that. And he can really run. And if you don't cover him, if you don't put someone in space, who can run with him. Baker's the leading deep ball accuracy quarterback in the league last year. And he can come off of a fake and bury you on a deep ball, 65 yards downfield. That's no problem. So it is going to be, it's just so interesting, Jake, man. I've talked about this ad nauseum where it's like, it just, I just don't know what the board will look like. So I'm not a guy who is like, you have to pick this guy, that guy, and that guy, because I, I believe in them. I, and I look at it from the perspective of what did you do and why did you do it? I want, I'm more interested. I love the picks, but I'm more interested in hearing your interviews because they send up, you know, they'll send up Andrew Barry, but they'll send up regionals. It's so great, man, because and I, I, they did it last year, but a little less. But but I hope they get back to it this year. They'll send up the regional scouts who are really about these guys, like big yeah. believers in these players, and they tell you what they liked about them, what they didn't like, why they picked them. That's the stuff I love. I, I, I'm not going to bash if they pick 
Zayvon Collins in the first round, I'm not going to be like, that's the dumbest decision I've ever heard. Well, I just want to hear why you did. How yeah. does he fit in your defense? What do you envision for him? So, okay, I know that you want to do X, Y, and Z with them. I'm going to go watch that film, and I'm going to tell fans, here's what they want to do with them, and here's why it makes sense. So there's a ton of wide receivers I'm really fine with in the right regions. Uh, Josh Palmer, the kid from Tennessee, was underutilized. Um, uh, let me try to think off the top of my head. There's there's just a bunch. There's, I've drafted, I've mocked a bunch of these guys over the mm-hmm. course of, of doing this for a while now that I, I like I like a good number of wide receivers. So if they take one in the first, I'd be fine with it. All the way into the seventh round, I'd be completely okay with it. You know, the kid Amir Smith-Marset from yes, Iowa is yeah. a fun player. So they're, they're everywhere in this draft. So just get one and tell me why you like him and how he fits with what you want to do and I can be okay with it. You know, a lot of people try to get out in front of this and be prognosticators of this stuff. And it's like, we don't know, man, we got to see it. Let me see your plan. Tell me your plan. And then let me see you follow through with it. That's the most exciting part because you actually have, I think, I don't think people talk about this enough. Maybe I'm having some late night thoughts here, whatever, but like the Browns actually brought back their entire coaching staff for the first time in a long time. Mm-hmm. When you do that and you bring back your, your, your front office department, everybody's back. They didn't lose a soul. So everybody's back. And if you can do that over four years and they're going to lose some people, they start really winning. Joe Woods might go somewhere, but they're trying to start like form a pipeline here of like, okay, Joe Woods goes somewhere. We're going to hire in the uh, Kiffin Within, D-line yeah. coach going to be our next, our DC. They, they want to do that mm-hmm. so that they have consistency and player types. They like consistency and front office vision. And that's what helps you, Jake, that's what helps your scouts. Like, hey, we know we're looking for these traits year to year. If we go from 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 Sashi Brown to John Dorsey to what are we looking for? What are the traits? Can I be consistent in approaching how I know we want these guys? That's the stuff that helps. So that when you go into this, I can say in two years from now, maybe we have a discussion, and I say. Based on what I've seen, how they drafted, that's a Browns receiver. That's what they're looking for in receiver yeah. play. Yep. That's the fun stuff. So right now we're still guessing. We're having conversations. Will they take a linebacker early? No, they don't believe in that. Will they take a guy who's 23? They don't believe in that. Well, let's get a little more evidence and see when they're not picking in the top 10 right. where you have a guy who's going to be 21 years old with a great market por- uh, share portfolio and a great athletic, but you don't get that in a top 10. Everybody in 20 and beyond has a wart. What's the wart, Okay we figure out now they're acceptable to these sorts of things. So that's when it gets really fun. So that's my long winded answer uh, to some of these guys. I mean, I think OBJ Landry, I would guess right now, Jake, if I had to say both will be gone next year, I think they're a package deal. I don't think you can keep Jarvis at his price, which means he probably ends up leaving. And I think if Jarvis isn't here, it's hard to see Odell really happy unless Odell has a, breakout breakout 14 1500 yard season and is balling and he sees that it's best for him and they maybe go to the championship game or the super bowl that kind of thing has to happen for him but he's also coming back from an acl at 29 years old is what he's going to play this year and he he hasn't even he just mentioned the other day he hasn't been cutting either so there's like people are thinking like odell is back he's 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 gonna be ready i don't know i don't know man he realized if you watch odell he is so uh violent on cuts like his yeah. the way he breaks down and puts burden on his knees his ankle the torque of his hips it's all a part of him he's a big wiggle guy and to 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 really trust your knee like you need to trust it again is really it's really hard to do when you have never torn something like he's torn something so again i i think odell could have a nice bounce back season but you can't go into week one being like he's rocking and rolling he's ready to go you don't know until you see it until you watch it 
then you, you I want Odell to be clicking by week 10. That's what I want. That's right. what everybody yeah. should want. And hopefully they get that. But it's hard for me to think both those guys will be back. So I think they take a developmental wide receiver. I would not be shocked if they take one early with a guy maybe they've fallen in love with in the process. They could take one early, but I think they take a maybe a second, third, fourth round guy. And then maybe next year's draft going into wherever they pick, they take another one at a high end and try to really kind of keep pairing up with Bakers. Cause you'll have a great idea. Two years of Baker's skill set where he likes to throw on the field, mm-hmm. the things he likes to do with receivers, you'll have a good feel for what type of player that they need there. So that, that part to me is I'm okay with where I think their vision is at wide receiver right now. Yeah. It's crazy because, you know, we've been just looking for this, like, you know, called alignment or whatever you want to call it. We've been looking for this for years, like decades, literally, uh, and, and just so that we can know what we're looking for going into every offseason, because, you know, we're basically rookies looking at this team every year when it's a new head coach or a new defensive coordinator or a new GM or a new quarterback. It's like there's always something new and you can never really get your footing and you can never get that consistency that you see from the good teams that you see from Pittsburgh or Baltimore or New Orleans, like, you know, teams that are just constantly like competing over the past decade or so, it's because they have these same people and they have the same head coach. And even when they're hiring new coordinators, it's usually not an, a coordinator from somewhere else. It's one of their young guys that is just moving up the pipeline. And that's you. I, I'm glad you pointed that out because it's like that helps everyone down to the scouts. And you're right. It is great hearing the scouts on on building the Browns or whatever they put them on, because those are the guys that are putting in those. 200 travel days a year and are are putting in their like blood and their young years to go out there and watch football and to interview these guys at North Texas and Western Michigan and you know Sunbelt schools and schools much smaller than those and you know so it's like they love this so to hear from them that's like that's the best part is getting to hear like their side of things um it is it is and too you got to think a big part of that too Jake is like it's not just the trait consistency and knowing what an offense wants and knowing what a mm-hmm. defense. It's it's not flushing the young guys out. It's not losing the Jordan Poyers of the world. It's not losing the Emmanuel Ogbas of the world because yeah. you're flush you're fluctuating systems and you know those are guys you want to hang on to. You draft them, you want to develop them, and you want to reap the reward of Emmanuel Ogba finally filling out his potential. Yeah, that's that's something the Browns should be enjoying right now, not Miami. So right, uh, that's that's a that's a big part of it. It's multifaceted for sure. Uh, it's not just one thing that you you get as a benefit from consistency and approach consistency and scheme consistency and thought process and, and that linear uh, alignment of your of your your front office and your coaching staff which they seem to be in perfect harmony there man it is if you ever see the browns get to where we think they're going to go it is it is with everybody sending the same message everybody saying the same things and if you watch building the browns right now or you listen to nathan zagura talk to certain mm-hmm. people uh you get those little tidbits of like damn man these guys are really in unison right now and, and who knows mate it's never nothing's ever guaranteed they, they, they could have injury issues next year and, and they struggle i i don't know but just as far as i sit here in my chair on on April 26th and talk to you, I feel great about it. I feel better than I have my entire life about where these guys are going. So it's an exciting time right now. Yeah, add in the fact that we don't have any huge glaring needs. We're not needing a quarterback. We're not needing a blindside left tackle. Um, we're not We're not like a five-win team that really needs to make like, you know, huge 
uh, monumental moves if you want to become a good team. We're already a good team. We're just now trying to get over that like hump and get to the AFC Championship game and the Super Bowl. So uh, it's nice to know that it's like the Browns are are already a contending roster, whether or not they add a player this weekend at all. And uh, a cool thing. It's, it's a cool really thing. it's a really cool thing. I've never had that in my life. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty pumped about that. And it just allows us to enjoy whoever they take at 26 and say, Hey, they know what they're doing. You know, let's not, let's not say, Oh my God, this is going to set our team back years. It's not, it's just going to be a guy that we add in and hopefully he can help out immediately. And if he doesn't, well, you know what? They picked him for a reason. So yeah, uh, we, 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 the point is, and I've been trying to stress this to people. It's like, they know what they're doing until they don't. And yeah. right now I feel like they know what they're doing and I have no reason to question them. I've only I've only been able to really truly question one thing, and that's the depth they brought into last year's safety group, even without uh, the injury to Grant Delpit. I thought it was thin, and then you had a Grant Delpit injury, and they put themselves behind the eight ball to where they had to go trade for somebody. So yeah. that was a spot. That was the only complaint I had. I thought they could have added more there. They could have gotten more lower to you know the mid-lower-level free agents to put themselves in a position that they didn't have to give up a pick. Even though they didn't give up much for Ronnie, I liked the trade. You still didn't maybe yeah. have to give up a, a pick at all to make mm-hmm. that happen. So. Listen, they've been hitting it out of the park. They got the right coach. They got the right uh, people in, in, in place. And, and uh, you know, we'll keep talking about prospects here. But th- there's there's really nice unification, man, which is cool. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's funny. You're, you know, we're kind of talking about, like, them getting the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I think that's had to come in this past, like, week or two weeks now when they signed Clowney and they got rid of Sheldon Richardson and – you know, Sheldon Richardson was going into his last year. Clowney is only coming in on a one-year deal. So a lot of the talk right now is kind of about, like, whether they pursue another edge rusher because, you know, hey, Clowney's going to be gone next year, if you know, or he's at least going to hit free agency. Or do they go D-tackle because Malik Jackson, one-year deal. Billings, one-year deal. Um, Sheldon Richardson is gone. So it, it's a kind of a bare room right now for defensive tackles. Uh, but as you pointed out, Jadavion Clowney does very well against the run, and he does very well when he's playing on the inside, when he does that on the goal line, when they move him around. So maybe they don't need to go D-tackle, even though the room is a little smaller. Maybe they plan on playing D-ends inside a little more. What do you think about that if the Browns only drafted one D-lineman this weekend? Where would he probably be playing? That's a good question, Jake. I... I... I'll preface it this way. I, I made the note that I think Jadevian is a very good interior player, and I think he it was it was broached by the team, I'm sure, when they originally talked to him, and I'm sure it keeps coming up. It was a part of the introductory press conference, and it was a part of uh, you know Jadevian's time on building the Browns and his time talking to Zagura, and, and, and it's come up. And mm-hmm. But he hasn't played a ton of snaps in there, and I, and, and, and I don't know if he's going to be super willing. It's Where Jadevian's head is right now is interesting to me because he went to Seattle with the idea that he was going to make a mega deal. And he played pretty well in Seattle. I thought he played pretty, pretty damn well. Right. Maybe he didn't get double digit sacks, but he was himself and he was good and it didn't work out to get a deal uh, for reasons. I don't know. Maybe there was something Seattle didn't trust or they didn't have the money at the time, but the deal didn't come. So he goes to Tennessee. He gets humbled. I think it's, I think it's quite obvious that he swallowed a lot of pride because I talk about this all the time. I've mentioned it on several different appearances now Jadevian is a guy who 
every stage of his life, he's been better than the people around him in terms of athletic ability. Right. Um, he's a young kid. He's the best kid in his class, probably the best kid in his town, maybe the best kid in his state. Uh, then he gets to high school. And clearly, he's the best player in the state, and, and, and he gets to the point he's the best player in the country. Every college wants him, goes to the college level, dominates. Every pro team wants him. He's taken first in the draft. He's he's the and it's the ultimate ego thing. And you can't bite the ego thing. Yeah. Miles Garrett, it's 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 real, you know. And I would get it. So he then expects, as you would expect him to expect. I'm going to ball out in Houston, which he did. I thought, you yeah, know, he was a second fiddle to JJ Watt, but whatever. And he expected money to come, and it never came. So, like, I thought the version you heard of Clowney was very introspective. Of like, I should have joined Cleveland last year. I I, I made a mistake. I, I I you know my team didn't win as many games. I like what they're doing here. So, is he willing to when they sit down with him and say, hey? Because I, I know they're watching the same film I am. Hey, man, look what you're doing inside. There's a real inside-outside presence that he can have. So if he gives you 10 to 15 snaps inside this year, which would be an uptick, that's great. That's really good snaps from him. And then it's like, okay, my original thought, Jake, was like, okay, if they're playing Jadevian 10 to 15 inside plus Sheldon, plus Andrew Billings coming back, who I think is a fine player, not a world beater, but a better version of Larry Ogunjobi. Yeah. Like I'm Malik Jackson who is advanced in his age, but can give them 20 snaps a game. Plus Jordan Elliott, Mm -hmm. who I'm not high on Jordan Elliott. I think that was a really disappointing rookie season. I did not, I didn't like how slow he was off the football. He did not do well hand combat wise and was too easily manipulated at the point of attack. Yeah. Maybe it works out for him. I don't know, but I'm thinking, okay, they're not giving up on Jordan. A lot to prove. It was a lot. It was a lot of bodies. And it's like, okay, everyone's like, well, they should still draft an, 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 an interior player. Some kind could be a shade, could be a three. Uh, I was like, man, that's a lot of snaps to try to figure out everybody's role. Now they lose Sheldon. I probably should have saw that coming a little better than what I did. I just didn't think they'd want to do that, but it totally makes respect. I I just kind of missed that. So do they feel like what, what I feel like the best thing for them to do is get one of two players. And I don't know if they'll be able to, uh, but we'll see. I really like, uh, Peyton Turner, who's yeah. a kid from Houston, who came into Houston at like 215 pounds. Corey Kennan, a guy I really like on Twitter, uh, did an interview with him, which was interesting. He talks about his weight fluctuation, how he went there about 220, got up to 230 his first year, got up to 270, got up to two. I think he said he got up to 290. He was playing some interior ball for them, and then got back down to 270. He's like, if you cut on the Houston tape, he's like six six two seventy. Big, like he looks like an NFL player. Yeah, he plays yeah. like it. He finally got to a weight that he's comfortable with his last year. So I like him as far as an inside-out versatility. Has experience inside if they need him inside. Can definitely play the edge. Started to really start to bend, uh, bend more fluidly in his final year at Houston. Put up good production. Uh, and he tested off the charts. His change of direction drills, three-cone short shuttle was like ridiculous of the relative athletic score charts. So he's a good fit. And then Milton Williams, the youngster from, from Louisiana Tech, who oh, yeah. tested out of this world, but is like 280, 285. Can he be like a like a poor man's homeless version under the bridge of, of Aaron Donald where he has inside out flexibility? I'm not saying he's Aaron Donald. I, I know you, exactly you what you see, mean. He's Sunbelt yeah, Donald. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. He's like, uh, what is it, the MIAC. Um, <laughs> he's, like, he's like a guy who can be 280, can be inside outside when you need him. Uh, because he's so athletic, you think he can be like a power edge when you need him to be, but he's also going to get snaps inside for you. And, and um, that's what I would really kind of peg for them. 
they could obviously take a quitty pay in the first round or Azizel Jalari. They could like those guys. They could like uh, Joseph Asai from Texas. But if I were them and I had the opportunity to snag a corner early and then go get a, an edge later, I would want someone with inside-out flexibility so that you can you can do the same with Clowney, Miles Garrett. We know yeah. when Miles gets inside, he's a freak of nature inside. He eats guards alive. They have so many guys that, like, you could put Miles Tack inside – play your drafted edge outside with Tack McKinley outside, it's like, whoa, what are teams going to do? It's like, okay, this week we play, um, say Baltimore hadn't traded away Orlando Brown. We play Orlando Brown and they have Ronnie Stanley, so they have two good tackles. Let's get Miles and and Genevieve inside against their weaker guard center guard, uh, 20 snaps this game, and bring in Tack and and, and whoever they draft. Peyton Turner will play those guys outside a little bit, and we don't Mm -hmm. lose anything, and actually we can gain some advantages. So, there's a lot of fun flexibility there. That's why I'm all about trying to find a guy who has some inside out flexibility, sure. being a good athlete and putting up some production. And those two continually catch my eye. So those are guys that I'm keen on and, and give them a lot of, uh, a lot of flexibility. That's what they want, whether that's a secondary safety play or whatever, they want to have guys who are not pigeonholed into roles. They want some guys who can do different things and be, and be matchup guys week to week. Yeah. I love those guys. I, I was a big fan of them. Uh, I put out like my top prospects at each position uh, a week ago, and uh, those are two of my favorites. You know, for like the day two guys. Um, you know, and I another another thing is like we haven't even talked about cornerbacks yet, and I do want to or really want to talk about cornerbacks because that's one where I'm like, if we don't take one in round one, I'm still very fine because the guys I like on day two, I feel like are not a very far drop from the day one guys that are going to go in the like low 20s, like a Greg Newsome or, uh, you know, J.C. Horn's probably going to go higher now. But, um, you know, I don't think there's a big fall from like the fifth cornerback to like the 10th cornerback. So I'm really excited about the Browns possibly even having a second one if they decide, hey, we're going to add one at 89 and at 110 or even 89-91 and do like a really fun double up there um like i did you know in a mock draft i did paulson adebo and trill williams at 89 91 and i was like this is really fun um sure, yeah. you know so so what do you think about the like the cornerback class and is there like is there a guy that you're like this is perfect for the browns or is there a guy that you're like you know actually his tape is good but he doesn't work for the browns just because the common fan might not really know the scheme we're looking for yeah, I, I wouldn't so much peg scheme because they they wanted to be a quarters uh, a quarters team last year. Uh, they mm-hmm. they did a pretty high volume of it. They wanted to do more of it, but they didn't like their personnel for it. Um, I I I just think they want to get aggressive too. I, I definitely see them coming down and playing more two man or more uh, man free and bringing pressure that way. So I. It's hard for me to pigeonhole what they want to do because I think Joe Woods was so limited in what he was able to do that he wasn't able to be the defensive um, uh, mastermind, for lack of a better word, that, that he wanted to be. He wanted to be, you know, do different things, and he couldn't do them. I mean, after the after the break or the bye week, they they changed it to where Terrence Mitchell never left the wide side of the field, like he yeah. or sorry, the right side of the field. Like they made a bunch of tweaks. They're just like this shit. This shit is not working. So they they're going to be. I think the approach might be completely different this year because of what they have and the pieces they've gained. So, um, listen, I think that I had, I had Cleve T, uh, TA on Cleveland, Cleveland TA's his, his Twitter account. He does some really good data number stuff. And he talked about, which I thought this was a really good point. And I know, 
I know we're all dealing with scar tissue from trading down. I completely understand yeah. it. But he made a point that, and I thought this is the first time I've heard it as a justification for trading down, and that makes a lot of sense to me, that like pick 26 to pick 32, even a couple picks before, is a really – it's a really ugly range and not ugly in terms of not not that there can't be good players there. Obviously there can, but the players that are kind of there are, are filled with holes in their resume to the point that it might just make more sense to double up on second and third round picks. If you can find somebody eager enough to jump up for maybe one of these offensive tackles or something like that so that you can gain. I just think that you can have more value added. And I agree with him. I, it's, you know, light bulb comes on. I like when people give me things that I'm like, Oh, Eureka, that makes sense. It's like, uh, I just think it's a better maybe you gain pick 34 and pick 57 or something like that uh, to, to, to go and have more second and third round uh, opportunities because there's a lot of interesting guys. And especially in the quarterback, you mentioned Paulson. Um, Paulson Adebo is fascinating, took a year off, obviously uh, made a personal choice and, and decided to take the season off. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to think you got And he's got a hole because he was injured before that, too. But he had a dominant, I think, a dominant 2019 or 2018 season. He's good. And, and like, you know, if Faitu Melifonbu could be an interesting player, Asante Samuels, a second round player that could be extremely interesting. Um, there's just a ton of them. Trill Williams, yeah. there's uh, the, the the Kelvin Joseph kid from, from Kentucky. He's a freak of nature athlete. So, listen, I think they need to come out of this thing with two corners. I've been saying that for a while. Mm-hmm. How they get them is going to be interesting because I, I definitely think that, like, the guy who you want to see is probably Greg Newsom. I think even though Greg has had a limited – uh, availability. He, he, he's had like only 17 games of the last three years. He's been hurt a little bit, but from an athletic standpoint, uh, from the film work standpoint, you can see, I call him Denzel light. I think he's got a lot of that okay. in his game, a lot yeah. of similar approach, quick hips, twitchy, good at the point of attack. Uh, we're sorry when the ball arrives at the, at the catch point. So, um, I think it, it would be fine if they were up at 26 and they took Greg, but if he's not there, I definitely don't like I did. a. have seen a couple mock drafts lately where, uh, you know, the two, there's two teams in front of them that definitely want a corner. I definitely think the Colts, if they value a corner and the right one's there, they might take it. And the, and the Titans have a disastrous quarterback yeah. situation oh, right now. Terrible last so year. They, yeah. But yeah, if like if the guys go early, we think we'll go early. If Patrick Sertan and JC Horn go early, which there's no reason they won't, they will go in the top 12 more than likely in the top 12. Um, because JC Horn just his testing finally caught up with everybody. And it's like, okay, this guy's actually really damn good. Uh, he will go, and then it's like, okay, Caleb Farley's interesting. Obviously a very, very good on-film player. Yeah. But if he falls to 26, it's probably going to be a reason for that. The Browns have never really taken a big, big injury concern guy. Although Denzel's missed time, he was in – this is this where it's up. Between Sashi and between uh, where Andrew Bray worked and then between his time in Philly and now his time back in Cleveland, they have never taken a big injury guy. Now, John Dorsey – his record was different. They took greedy. They, mm-hmm. they, they got some different approach to it. So it's kind of hard to, to, to peg what Dorsey was doing. Cause he, he was more traditional football guy than, than, than data driven, um, you know, approach there. So I, it's just hard to know. It's hard to know right now. Cause you look at some of these guys and you see where there's gaps and some things. So if, if Caleb Farley, in my opinion, if Caleb Farley is way too good on tape, way too good an athlete, that if he falls to 26, people know something or they don't trust it. Yeah. So it's like, okay, are the Browns are going to be the one to take that risk. Maybe they feel like at 26, at the high end of this whole thing, man, we got a really great corner. Maybe they feel it's worth it. But uh, I prefer my team doesn't take that risk because if he falls to 26, it's like, okay, there's a reason. Yeah. So if, if they're all gone, I have no problem trading down, which would be the ultimate like paradox of the Browns finally, the Cleveland fans finally get the draft in their hometown. They're pumped. They're 26. Let's go. Oh, no.
until Friday. Uh, we, we have a trade to announce and Cleveland doesn't pick until Friday. So it's like, it would be just kind of really perfect harmony if that, that ultimately became a thing. But I, I don't think it's a bad idea, Jake, to, yeah, to I'm go very ready get, for it. Yeah. I'm ready to, for the double trade. Up down. On, yeah. yeah. Yeah, double I, up on twos and threes. So my it's favorite, an it's an interesting thought. Yeah, my favorite mocks this season have been the ones where they trade around to forty, and then they take six guys on day two by trading down to forty, acquiring another three, and then using their day three picks to get back up or move up a little bit, and just yep. just hammering day two. I think there are a lot of guys to like there. Um, Melifon was one of my favorite players in the draft. Do you do you like like quick real quick? Do you think he like kind of fits the Joe Woods style? Uh, I'm a like you know a lot of his highlights are that of like man he looks like a you know a strong safety out there. Uh, but is is he gonna be like good enough on the island? Do you think to uh, you know have him be like a, an outside corner like that? There's some reaction stuff I don't love. Sometimes zone stuff he does not read uh, how receivers set up, stack him, and do some different things to create room. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but listen, when he he can run with anybody, he's a yeah. he's a fantastic athlete. And when he makes a when he jumps things, it's a, it's it's teach tape. It looks great because he covers so much ground. If they're interested in taking a corner who is the opposite kind of size, well, he's six three and two hundred and change. Yeah. Like he's a He's a massive guy who is also a great athlete. And some of the stigma with him revolves around his brother and his brother's failures. And some people get that in their head. It's crazy. It it is. But I think he could be a guy who's highly graded. I just don't have a great feel for what they're going to covet yet. Uh, We'll see. I would be more than happy with him in round two. And listen, if they love him and they can sell me why they love him and they took him at pick 26 because they're like, we really want this guy. And he thinks he's going to go in the 30s. There's going to be a lot of valuation stuff, I think, in this draft where we're like, oh, I did not know teams valued that guy there. So there, there's going to be the end of the first round. It's going to be like the wild, wild west, in my opinion, where guys are going and you're like, man, I did not hear that guy's name as an end of first round solidified name and he's gone. So it's like yeah. some of that, in my opinion, it could happen. So uh, Melifon was one of the six or seven guys that I'm more than fine to happen in the first 59 picks of the draft. And, and I would be, I think the Browns would be better for getting him. So, yeah. um, good body type, good athlete, good mover in space. Uh, you know, he's obviously large jumps. Well, does well at the catch point. It's just a matter of refining his technique, refining his route, understanding in terms of what DB, Oh, sorry. What wide receivers are doing to set him up to move to different areas of the field. And that stuff can come. It can come at the NFL level. That's for sure. You can't teach traits, yeah. but you can teach understanding of the game. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we're running out of time, but I do want to play a, a real quick game with you. We're going to do rapid fire prospects. All right. So we're doing, this is pick 26, no trading up, no trading down. And I'm going to give you a name and you just give me, you're going to take him, you're going to pass on him, or he won't even be there. All right. So, okay. Rashad Bateman. Take him. Okay. Jalen Phillips. Too many concussions. You have to pass. You just have to pass on him. Yeah. You're a great player, but you got, you just, you can't, you can't, you can't take him. Yeah. How about, uh, Owusu Kormoa? You know me, man. Take that. Take that as a BNRB. You think him and Bateman will be there though? Uh, Bateman more likely yeah. but, uh, to be there, but if JOK is there, man, I, He's a freaking missile. Yeah, yeah, like, I just would love that guy. That's just the guy that I would love to finally see. He's he's like a better version, a thicker, stronger, can play like of of Jabril Peppers. Like he's yes. that dude. I think that is uh mm-hmm. is just would be so. He just would be a guy that Browns fans would love. So yeah, I take yeah. him RB. Uh, Caleb Farley. Let's go back to what we just talked about. If he's up at twenty six, I don't think they can take him because the same. Because because yeah, because somebody knows something. Yeah. 
Uh, how about Barmore? I love how effective he is against the pass. I'm sorry. I know I'm not supposed to do this. This is rapid it's fine. Fire, it's but, fine. Yeah. Um, I would not blame them for taking him. I don't think they take him. I think they would pass on him because I think that there are some better values for that position. It's just, it's a bad class, man. And a lot of yeah. Bar- Barmore's warts are being ignored because he's one of the few that can do standard level stuff in the right. position. Uh, so yeah, I, I think they would pass on that player there. How about Terrace Marshall? The injury history that came out lately is concerning to me. I would not feel great about him at pick 26. I would like a player a little later who's probably just as effective. Quiddy Pay. I would take Quiddy. He fits. He's a, he's a disruptor man, strong as hell. I think that you would take him. Uh, Asante Samuel Jr. We're talking 26? Yeah. I would be okay with they took him. Yeah, I okay. would, I, if, I, a lot of this Jake is so dependent on who's on the board. Like if 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 Greg Newsom's there too, it's like you know. I think I've right. Yeah. Enough yeah. I would take. I'd be fine with them taking him. Yeah. How about Collins? Zayvon Collins. Good player, man. He's got it. He's got a real chance. I know people are freaking out about the two seventy weight, but if I'm answering this based on what I expect the Browns to do, I think they will pass on him. Okay. But if they take him, I. On the film and show you why that is okay to take him because he can play. With Kadarius Tony, I would pass on Kadarius Tony at twenty six. Although he meets some of the athletic thresholds, I just don't love him enough, his film enough to take him at twenty six. What about Micah Parsons? I'm out, and I had Lane on the pod yesterday who said he has not heard a single connection to my to Mike and he and yeah. Lane I think he'll be knows, gone anyway but yeah yeah I, I think and Lane usually knows who they talk to and who they don't talk to mm-hmm. and I like Micah's game uh, I am not one to judge any human for anything in their life I just think that there's some things that the NFL execs view as dicey and it will cost him uh, on some teams board and we have not seen Andrew Barry take anybody that has that out outwardly questionable background yeah, you know yeah. the lsu guys with delpit and jacob phillips got connected to some stuff at lsu later mm-hmm. uh but that wasn't out in front of uh out in front public mainstream things like we saw with micah at uh, at penn state so i would be mm-hmm. like jaw a gap uh, a gape a gape right yeah jaw a yeah, gape yeah. stunned if they took him in. first if he was there second if they took him yeah so i'd pass yeah all right uh elijah moore hell yeah yeah Huge more fan. Twenty six, I'd start the film room and be giddy about it. He's yeah. Uh, last one, Aziz Ojolari. Yeah, Aziz is good. I think people try to pigeonhole him as like this, this three, four. No, nah, man, go watch that dude take on pulling, pulling blockers in the SEC. He is a, he's an sob at the point of attack. He's got better bend than people give him credit for. He's only twenty. He's he's two fifty and change. He'll get bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, he could be a secondary pass rusher to start and then move into the bigger role as his career starts out in Cleveland year two three. He's a hell of a football player. I'd be more than fine if they took him. So, you know, he's not a he's not an elite physical traits guy. He's not six six two seventy like Peyton Turner in terms of that stuff. But he's productive as hell, and he's got lightning. Uh, quick, I think hand combat moves I like, club swim, and he's got a rip move that I really like, and he can he can knock your hands off if you get you off balance and turn the corner on you. Yeah, he's like Quiddy and, and Aziz are, are more than fine for me. I would have no issue if they took those guys. Yeah. All right, so before I let you go, and thank you for coming on. Uh, this has been great. Um, I know it's late and we're deep into the draft process, but I want to hear, I want three names. Uh, guys that you're like, 
I, I, you would jump on the table for if you were talking to Andrew Barry and you'd say, hey, you got to take this guy. I, you can't let him go to Pittsburgh or Baltimore. He's got to be here. You've got to trust me. He's going to be amazing. Whether it's a first rounder, seventh rounder, wide receiver, corner, DN, tackle, whatever. Who are the three guys? Uh, good, good, good question, uh, as usual. I would say my first two are going to be uh, ordinary in terms of you've heard of them. It, it is it is Elijah Moore, who I think is phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, I would hate with a burning passion if he ended up in, in, in Baltimore. It would really bother me. Or uh, I did a, a mock the other day where Kansas City took him at pick 58. Yeah, I uh, saw right that. In front yeah. of us, and that mm-hmm. would bother me really badly, too. So... I think he's great. Uh, I would say Peyton Turner is my other guy that I have started to really pound the table for. I think he's going to go in the 30s. He could. I even tweeted it out the other day that if he snuck in and Browns took him at 26, not a problem for me, man. He's got he's got he's got every tool necessary to be a great and a really good NFL defensive end. So yes. I really like him. And then the other one is Hunter Long, the tight end from Boston Oh, wow, College. yeah. I really, really like him. Uh, if the Browns were to find themselves, which myself and, and Steven, who we do all this work at the OBR on these guys, is if they're in the mood to take a tight end because they, they kind of have a position there where they want to keep fluctuating young guys in to be ready to step into roles that are going to be bigger down the line. You know, David Njoku's going into the fifth year of his contract. They might mm-hmm. not bring him back. Austin Hooper has outs after 2021. Mm-hmm. If the production does not meet the money, and we saw what they did with Sheldon, if the production doesn't meet the money they're paying you, they will move on. So it is a sneaky little need type thing for me, and I think Hunter Long has uh, – some old school tight end traits, the Jason Wittens of the world mm-hmm. type of things that I really like. So I would, if it came to round three, round four, and he could go before round three. Like I really like him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like him more than Brevin Jordan, the Miami kid. I like him more than okay. Tommy Tremble, the Notre Dame kid. I think I think he's an extremely interesting tight end prospect who, much like Harrison Bryant last year, will go. Uh, will come and go. People won't think much of them, and then they'll look at the tight end production at the end of the year and be like, oh, that guy led all rookie tight ends in production. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I like Hunter Long a lot, and if they're feeling dicey, maybe they pick up, like we said, Jake, an extra pick along the way, a couple extra picks. Uh, I would more than happy to spend a pick on, on Hunter Long. I think he's going to be a hell of a football player. I love it. That's a, that's a great one, and one I haven't talked about in a while. I know him, but uh, that's that's a great pick. Jake, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. Um, I'm hoping for a lot of really good things this week, but you know what, no matter who they take, I'm trusting Andrew Barry because I think they're in a really good spot to just do what they think is right without having to force their hand. So, uh, I think we're in a good spot and I'm really excited to see it play out. Oh yeah, man. Trust him. That's my theory. Trust him until you shouldn't. And right now there's no reason to not trust him. So Jake, big fan of yours, bro. You know that, uh, I, I appreciate you coming on. Always enjoy our Twitter banter and, and uh, anytime you need me, my friend, hit me up and I will be on. Thanks for having me. Thank you, man. All right. Uh, all the love to the family and uh, go Browns. Likewise. All right. So a major thanks to my guests this episode, Stephen Thomas and Jake Burns. Uh, Stephen, it was his first time on the pod. He did great. Uh, a lot of fun. He's a great follow on Twitter if you love your mock drafts and if you love the Cleveland Browns. It uh, gets a lot of interactions going, and it's just a lot of great back and forth. And with Jake, 
Uh, you know, if you've been listening to my podcast, if you listen around the draft time, uh, you've heard Jake Burns on my podcast plenty of times before. I think this was his uh, sixth time on the podcast. Uh, he's He does a lot of great, uh, great film work. Uh, really one of the few people I trust when it comes to, uh, you know, talking about the Browns and talking about their needs and, you know, their film and, and kind of just like scouting them out more than just talking about them. So two great guests. They did such a great job and I really appreciate it from them. Um, you can find them on Twitter. Uh, they both they both interact a lot. But uh, before I let you all go, it's been a long one. Uh, we do have the draft coming up, but uh, I wanted to get a couple of uh, of tips out there for the draft. So uh, I've been asked to do uh, gambling predictions. And let me just say this. I am not going to be betting any of my own money. Uh, so all these tips, you know, just say, you know, for the record, I'm putting it out there. I'm not gambling any money on this. These are just things that I think are going to happen. Um, it's hard because I know what should happen. I see this draft and I look at a lot of guys and I say, you know, he should be here. He should be there. He should wait. You know, they should take him. And that's, it's not always going to happen like that. And there's a lot of smoke happening right now. So it's, it's tough that like, it's a tough time of year to be going through, uh, waiting all the bullshit, but I'm going to try to, anyway, I'm going to give you 10 gambling predictions, but I'm just going to let you know right now, I'm not putting my money on it because number one, um, I love the chaos of the draft. I love when everything goes crazy and when it goes awry and I don't want to hitch my enjoyment of draft night to whether or not I win money. Um, it's just too much fun for me. I've, uh, I'm not a very good gambler, uh, when it comes to, you know, uh, NCAA tournament, a bunch of other things. And I've noticed that I'm like, when I'm losing money in the NCAA tournament, I'm not enjoying it as much. And I don't want to lose the enjoyment of that. Uh, I don't want to lose the enjoyment of the NFL draft. So I'm going to give you a couple of, um, of just of my like choices, but just know I'm not, uh, I'm not putting money on it. All right. So, um, first of all, I have four of the five first five picks I have in iron right now. Lawrence is going one. Wilson is going two. You can you know write write those down, put them in, on the cards they're in. Uh, I think Pitts is being the pick at four, even if they move Julio Jones, even if they're I mean they're not moving Matt Ryan. So you know it's if they move Julio Jones, I think they're still going to take Pitts because he's just such a an elite prospect when it comes to um you know the tight end position you really can't find many guys like him not saying Jamar Chase or Jalen Waddle are sh- are scrubs by any means uh, or or Penay Suell um it's just that you don't find guys like Kyle Pitts so Pitts is going to be the pick at 4 and I think Jamar Chase is going to be the Bengals pick at 5 uh I don't think it should be I think the Bengals should take Suell and this is as a Browns fan. And I'm just looking at them. I'm like, look, you have Joe Burrow. If you protect Joe Burrow, he's going to make all of your receivers better. You don't need to go out and get them first round wide receivers. Now, is it really fun? Is it going to be like a super cool thing to have this like really awesome connection and then add T Higgins in there and you have this really young core of playmakers? Yeah, that's going to be awesome. But if they don't have a plan to protect Joe Burrow, it all means nothing. Uh, but I still think they take Jamar Chase because I think they're just not going to be able to resist having that number one wide receiver. And 
this is after, you know, this will be the first year they don't have A.J. Green. I think they're going to want to have that face. And I don't think T. Higgins is the number one wide receiver. I, I think they, um, even though he could be, I think they have their eyes on Jamar Chase. All right. I really like Bateman to Tennessee at 22, but I think there's a chance someone takes him ahead of that. So uh, I don't know what his number is, what his line is, but I am almost willing to like guarantee Bateman goes uh, to Tennessee at the lowest. Uh, they, they've shown a lot of interest in him. They took Corey Davis, who was also you know had the same coach as uh, Rashad Bateman in college, so they know what they're getting. But they're probably willing to take Bateman because he's not going to be a number five overall pick. He's going to be you know around twenty, and he shows a lot more upside than Corey Davis does because he makes these spectacular catches and he has the burners. So I think they're going to be willing to take him, and they need to upgrade that, especially after losing Davis and Jonu Smith. They're losing like a lot of their receptions from last season. They can't be putting it all on AJ Brown. So I think Rashad Bateman. Is there and I had the Ravens trading up for him in my mock draft. Uh, maybe now that the Ravens have two first rounders, they'd be willing to lose a third to move up a couple picks and get Rashad Bateman, or maybe they just take the best wide receiver that's there when they draft at the end of the first. Uh, I like Jalen Waddle to Miami at six. I think they take him above Devonta Smith. So I think Devonta Smith is the third wide receiver taken in this draft. He might even be the fourth wide receiver taken in this draft. And I don't think Smith goes top 10. I think he might even go as low as uh, 12, 13, or 14. He, I'm expecting a little slide from him. So I'm going with the over on Devonta Smith. I'm going with the under on Jalen Waddle. I'm also going with Fields being a top eight pick. Uh, there's a lot of talk at who's number three, right? You know, is it Mac Jones? Is it Trey Lance? It's apparently not Justin Fields. I'm still not out on being Fields. I am not going to say it's Mac Jones until they say with the third pick in the 2021 NFL draft, the San Francisco Niners take Mac Jones. I'm not going to believe it until they say that. Um, Trey Lance, I can see it being, uh, especially if they think he's that athletic and he's that smart of a quarterback. That's what Shanahan wants. He fits the mold. Uh, do I think Fields would be a better pick? Yeah, absolutely. But I think maybe they like Trey Lance. Uh, I could see a lot of this smoke screen coming out there. He was very interactive at the Ohio State Pro Day. He was very interactive at Trey Lance's Pro Day. So I think it's still going to be one of those quarterbacks. I do not think it's going to be Mac Jones. I think it'll be Trey Lance at three. I'm not certain about that. But right now, that's where I'm leaning. But I still think Fields is a top eight pick. Whether or not that's a trade at seven or eight, Detroit and Carolina, who, by the way, I think both teams would be smart to take Fields. Uh, right now, they have uh, Goff and Darnold. Uh, I know you know they just traded for both those quarterbacks. But Justin Fields, Trey Lance, they seem to be like real franchise guys. And... Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't put it past Carolina for taking one, but I think that's a solid trade spot for a team like New England to go up there and get Justin Fields. Uh, I don't think Washington is going to pull the trigger to go up there, uh, but I think New England will want to get up ahead of Denver. And I think Denver takes Mac Jones at nine. That Those are my predictions. I think Fields goes seven or eight to a trade. I think Mac Jones goes nine to Denver. I think they're just going to be okay and content with him being there. I think Trey Lance goes three, even though there could be a carousel with those three quarterback picks. <laughs> okay. Um, 
Another bold one. Uh, I have the Giants taking a defensive player. I know a lot of people want them to take a wide receiver, take pits, take an offensive tackle. Uh, it just feels like defense for me. Uh, whether it's Gettleman being like that old school, you know, weirdo, uh, you know, football guy, and taking the middle linebacker Micah Parsons. Or they're taking Jalen Phillips, who they need some edge help. And Jalen Phillips, when he's healthy, is an absolute stud and definitely a top 10 prospect. He's just not all that healthy. So I think that's something that Gettleman could look look past. And also consider that um, Joe Judge, those were the only two guys he saw in person this draft cycle. So I think that is something to be said and he wants a leader on that defense it could be Micah Parsons or he wants one of those like you know set the edge franchise cornerstone guys on defense I think that could be Jalen Phillips so I think that's going to be one of the two picks right now that's kind of a lower odds bet but I'm willing to make that bet Uh, I know everyone wants it to be a wide receiver or Kyle Pitts whoever's there and if it's not it's gonna be a tackle but I have it being one of those defenders Okay, another one. Uh, I think you can pretty much put down Patrick Sertain to number 10 for the Cowboys. And then I think J.C. Horn, the second cornerback off the board, will go either 12 to the Eagles, but he won't go any lower than the Cardinals a couple picks later. So I think he goes in that range. I think he goes to one of those two players. I think Derisaw goes as low as the Vikings at 14. And... um. I think the uh, I think the Chargers are a team I'm going to stay away from because I think they could ultimately go crazy. They could go cornerback, they could go O line, they could go wide receiver. So I'm not going to place a bet on the Chargers because I think they're going to do something that might uh, might throw off a lot of people. So be aware of that one. Um, another one I think Greg Newsom he goes top twenty eight. But, um, you know, he's a first rounder, but I'm willing to say his floor is 28. I know it's not really a healthy bet or anything like that, but I think the Saints would love him. So I don't think he gets past the Saints at 28. Um, I would get, uh, you know, guaranteeing him a first round spot. I know that's not really a great bet anymore because it's like he's assumed to be there. But I think he goes somewhere in between the Colts at 20 and the Saints at 28. Another bet I like is no D tackles in the first round. I don't think any go. Um, I think there'll be a heavy run on offensive linemen, offensive tackles, uh, and there won't be any D tackles. There might be two or three DNs, but uh, no D tackles in the first round. So uh, those are my gambling like picks. Uh, there weren't a lot of email or questions, and I think we covered a lot of things anyway. But I did, was given questions on three teams. And uh, I will just answer those three right now, real. Quick. All right. The um, the first question goes to uh, my uh, a good friend of the pod, Bill. He's been, uh, you know, Pineapple Bill has been on the podcast before. Uh, he wants to know the best available offensive lineman to the Packers. That's a tough one. Um, I think they're going to miss out on Elijah Vera Tucker. They're going to miss out on Darisaw, and uh, obviously Sewell and. Um, uh, Rashawn Slater. Uh, so after those four, I think Tevin Jenkins will go top 20. I think the Raiders take him. Then there could be a low. 
So at that point, I think there kind of could be a run where the Packers pick and then in the next 10 picks. So they could start that next run. It just depends on what they like. Uh, Liam Eichenberg, I think, would be a really solid pick if you want him at right tackle. I think that's a good one. He's just, you know, a Notre Dame tackle that you're probably going to be pretty safe with. Um, if you want, like, a beast type of guy like Dylan Radens, uh, he might be the one drafted last of all these guys. But you know what? Uh, if It's just it depends on what you like. But uh, maybe you want to go interior line, and that's a spot for Landon Dickerson, who, if he's healthy, that guy is a monster, and I think he can play in a couple different spots on the interior offensive line. So if you're looking at the Packers and you're going to say best offensive lineman, I would say Dickerson, uh, Eichenberg, and then maybe even uh, Leatherwood from Alabama, who, you know, he played left tackle there and over Jedrick Wills, who was the right tackle. And he could have come out last year and been like a first round pick. And he didn't. He stayed, uh, was part of a monster team, and is still a really good offensive tackle. And I think he'll be starting at the you know NFL level for a good amount of time. So I would say one of those three offensive tackles uh, or offensive linemen uh, to, to the Packers if they don't go cornerback or wide receiver. And again, you know, if you if you want to know cornerbacks, uh, listen to what uh, I talked about with my guests. Uh, we talked a lot of cornerback talk today, and then wide receiver, uh, Terrace Marshall seems like a pretty good spot for the Packers. If not, uh, you know, Kadarius Tony could be just like a very cool gadget, switch it up type of wide receiver for uh, Devonte Adams. Um, I think both those guys will be available when the Packers pick. Uh, I think they'd be better off taking the lineman, sharing that up a little bit, and then just going wide receiver in round two. It's not what the fans want, but I think it will be better uh, better that way. Okay. All right, next question was, do the uh, do the Giants go offense or defense in round one? Um, I, I Again, I thought for a long time they would go offense, but the way it's leaning and just the trends with Joe Judge and Gettleman uh, – these are like trench guys. These are like hard-nosed guys. And I think they're going to want a defensive tone setter. Whether it's Parsons or Jalen Phillips, that's my bet right now. Again, I think they should go offensive playmaker or tackle. Just whatever's the best available there. Because you're just looking at the draft spots. As long as like one defender and four quarterbacks go ahead of them, they're going to get one of those three receivers, tight end, or top two offensive linemen. It's just going to happen. At the very least, they can draft Elijah Vera Tucker, who could play all over the line for them and would be a huge upgrade. So I think that's what they should do, especially since you know you already have Saquon Barkley. Uh, he's going to be year four of his rookie contract, and he's getting paid a lot of money to be a running back. So you might as well use him. And you need you invested a top six pick in Daniel Jones, so you need to make sure you give him everything he can get to succeed. Uh, and that includes an offensive lineman, includes playmakers. You just brought in Kenny Galladay. That's a good start. Uh, but if you got a guy like Kyle Pitts, I don't think he's going to be there. But if you got a guy like Devonta Smith or Jalen Waddle, like these are good things, and that would be really helpful for the offense. And uh, even if you went receiver in round two and you got a tackle in round one, or switch it up, or double up, I don't care. Those are all good ideas. I just think they're going to go defense. I feel like that's what Gettleman is going to want. And uh, I kind of think Joe Judge uh, narrowed down his visits 
based on those assumptions. All right, my next question is how can the Jets screw this up? Um, you know what? It's just, I don't know. I guess the way they screw it up is they buy into this Mac Jones hype and they take Mac Jones. I just don't see that happening. Uh, there's a non-zero chance that uh, Zach Wilson isn't taken to. It's not 100% sure, but, I mean, it's happening. We already know it. They've, like, you know, there hasn't been a single peep out of them. And, you know, if they really wanted to uh, drum up some interest and move down a spot and pick up some assets, they'd be floating some stuff out there. But they're not. And they're going to take Zach Wilson. Uh, the way they screw it up is they waste these picks and they don't surround them with any help. You know, they just traded Sam Darnold to get some draft ammo. So go take that 23rd pick and take that high second round pick and those and that other Seattle pick and those and the other Carolina pick and use these and get up and get him some offense. Whether that's coming all the way up and getting a guy like Waddle or Smith or it's uh getting him even more protection. He's you know, they're kind of building a good line, but they could always use more protection when you have a franchise quarterback. Um, I think you don't need to worry that much about a running back. It'd be fun to add a wide receiver and then add a running back and really just have this nice young trio with your franchise left tackle. But uh, that's how I think, you know, if they just if they trade out of this draft after taking Zach Wilson, uh, that would be a way that I, I would say would be screwing it up a little bit because he's going to need some help. He's not going to be able to do this on his own. So go out there and go make a play for a playmaker so that he has everything he you know needs to work with to succeed at the next level. All right, and final question is career wins is set at 16 and a half for Mac Jones. Uh what's the over under? What do you take? You know, it's really fun to be on the under there. Um <laughs> but I think the over is the right call. And I know I see you know, what a lot of these first-round busts do. And unless you're a guy that you're like a franchise quarterback and it's working, you know, Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, like these are the franchise guys. If you're going to bet against them, you know, you could end up in the tank and be one of these guys that, you know, Gino or, uh, you know, Christian Ponder, Blaine Gabbard or Johnny Manziel or Brandon Whedon where – you don't get your chance at first, and then when you do, it doesn't work out, and you never hit that double-digit win mark because, f- frankly, your team gives up on you too quick. It all comes down to where Mac Jones is selected, uh, but if I have to make the bet now, um, you know what? I'm going to say under just because I. Uh, the only way I see that going over is if he goes to San Francisco and he, you know, is given a lot of patience because he's the number three overall pick, and Kyle Shanahan says, "Listen, we have to justify this working out. We need him to be the quarterback." And he's given a couple seasons where he wins eight or nine games, and yeah, he hits that mark. But if he's not going there, and he goes to Denver, and he's in a quarterback battle to start his career, and he has two losing seasons, they might move off of him real quick because they're like, look, he was the fifth quarterback in that draft. We got desperate. We're going to have to fire our coach. We're going to go in a whole new direction. And then he's, you know, Mitchell trubisky out of there, even though Trubisky had some winning seasons before he was benched and then shipped off. Um, it's just uh, if I have to pick a spot, I'm going to say uh, I'm going with the under. I think the smart thing is the over because, you know, he 
there's a lot of talk of him being the guy for either New England or San Francisco. And if that's the case, I would say he's probably going to get to 16 and a half wins. But there's just a lot of factors that can play in that can have him reach, uh, you know, fail to reach that spot. So uh, let's have fun and let's say the under. So, all right, that's it for the podcast this week. Had a lot of fun, but uh, it is late and I am tired. So thank you again for listening. It is uh, it's draft week, most fun time of the year for me. Uh, when it comes to sports, and uh, I can't wait. I'm glad Cleveland gets to host. I'm not going to be there in person, uh, just because it's just not the you know not the same this year with COVID and everything. So I will be enjoying it from home, and I certainly will be enjoying it. Uh, but I hope everyone enjoyed this podcast and uh, listens next time. We have a lot more to discuss after the draft as well. Go Browns. i